Welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by Uncle Funky Larry Jones. May, how you doing, Uncle? I'm good, sirs. Good. Mike in? Keep talking. Hello, 2341. Yep. All right, thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah, we good. Um, yes. Uncle, I know that today's conversation, at least this portion of the podcast, um, you are very familiar with because um, we're talking about young girls and COVID and, and them coping and, and dealing with this. And on the phone line, we have the founder and executive director of Beauty Mentoring, it's an acronym, B-E-A-U-T-Y, uh, B -E -A -U -T -Y. Mm -hmm. the lovely Sherelle Ogletree is on the line. Good morning. Hi. Good hey. morning. Thank you. Hey, Miss Sherelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I understand that you are a, nur a nurse practitioner and uh, you went to school at uh, Texas Women's University. Um, yeah. T tell us about everything. Yes. Um, so I have been a nurse practitioner going on 11 years. Mm -hmm. I've always worked in pediatrics. Um, I have always been so thrilled with working with young girls. Um, it's kind of funny because I have three boys myself and a husband, so <laughs> no girls. But wow. Um, I really value pouring back to other girls into our community. And uh, this is kind of where beauty was birthed from. Um, I had an amazing woman mentor. And you think about the amazing, like, Michelle Obamas of the world, those who give back. Um, and so beauty was started about seven years ago, and we just poured to girls through mentoring. Indeed, Miss Miss I must ask what 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 is the acronym? What what do the letters stand for? It does stand for biblically edifying and uniquely training you. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, as my dear friend KG Smooth alluded to earlier, I am the grandfather of three girls. Oh wow! The oldest is ten. And the hormones have started. <laughs> Preteen. Uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and her mama's about to lose her mind. So I'm trying to be the right oh, pawpaw. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm the go-to guy. <laughs> so I have a 10 and a 9-year-old in that group. Mm -hmm. uh, any advice for me to give mom before she loses her mind? <laughs> um, yes, actually. I think there are a few things to kind of help teens cope during this crazy time that we're in. I think first is just kind of acknowledging their feelings. A lot of times we want to just tell them, oh, no, go do this, or you just whatever. Kind of disregard their feelings. Um, acknowledge the way that they're feeling or address it. Sometimes they don't even know. You know, just say, hey, I see you're a little, frust see you're a little frustrated. Is there something you want to talk about? Um, and let them know that it's normal to feel that way. I think as parents or grandparents or friends or whoever, we need to manage our own anxiety um, because when we portray being anxious or frustrated or angry, the child picks up on that same thing, and their levels of anxiety does the same thing. But when we're calm and we um, react to situations a little bit more calmly, they feel a little bit more comforted as well. And I think the last thing is just kind of maintain a routine with her. Um, she's used to going to school, coming home, getting her lunch and snack or whatever, and now everything's thrown off. Uh, so you can still kind of maintain that routine by setting up kind of like a schedule at work for schoolwork, exercising, family meals, entertainment, just making sure that there's some regular stuff going on that will be calming for her and reassuring for everybody in the family. And you speak words of truth. And, and, and the babies are sponges, so they're very sensitive 
to mom being out of work for a minute. They are aware of uh, the lack of money coming in. They they know very much they about the COVID nineteen sense the stress. It, thank you, KG. Mm-hmm. They sense the stress, and and the youngest one is having unique mood swings, and her body is going through this emotional change. Can you help us with that? Yeah, I think you know you do need to watch for extreme um, kind of mood swings. I think you know the normal preteen uh, hormone changes are very very normal, but always sleeping, always overly projecting your emotions like constantly being tearful, angry, frustrated, always sleeping, doesn't enjoy normal things that she should. Those are signs that you probably need to get help elsewhere or professional help. Um, but if it's the normal kind of day today, one minute she's kind of one way and the next minute she's like, oh, let's go outside and play. Right. And she still enjoys doing things. I think that it's totally normal. Okay. Um, you love her and, and implement discipline or however you do that as you normally would. But I would watch for the over overly kind of displayed emotions. Excellent. So we have a couple of normal, healthy American girls. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> it's so um, it's it's so strange because I would think that with school not being in, and you know, kids these days they go through some. I couldn't even fathom mm-hmm. being in junior high and high school during this day and age with social media. Um, and yes, so these kids yeah. are already dealing with a lot at school, be it peer pressure, be it mm-hmm. bullying, um, all of that stuff. And now that they're out of school and at the house, still going through some things. So what are some of the ways that um, a adolescent daughter, um, how can she cope during uh, a crisis? Yeah, I think most parents, caregivers kind of just need to be proactive in how they help them, right? Um, I think if you see those signs and symptoms that we talked about, and even if you don't, I think, you know, we're in May with Mental Health Awareness Month, I think you need to get her help um, or at least allow her to kind of plug in with a mental health provider just to kind of display her feelings because nine times out of ten, she's going to tell that person something that she will never tell you. Um, or she's less likely to tell you. And so there are tons of free resources, like the Harris County Department um, has a COVID mental health um, hotline that you can just kind of call for free, and she can just call in the weekend. I mean, I used to always tell my patients, you do a yearly physical exam and nothing's wrong with you, why don't you do a yearly mental health checkup? (laughs) I think that's important. Wow. Um, So just encourage her um, that way, and then also understand that you can't do it by yourself. Um, a lot of times as parents, we think we're on this island and we can do it. Nobody gets an award for doing something by themselves. I even tell women, like, nobody gets an honor for having a baby without an epidural. I mean, you just did it. Great. We all did it. <laughs> um, you don't get this special award for enduring this hard time because you're struggling too, uh, grandparents, parents. Um, so plug her into an, a, a program like a beauty mentoring or some type of mentoring program where she can have a creative outlet. Um, to talk to other people who are closer to her age, you would be surprised what girls will tell a mentor or listen from a mentor that they their parents or grandparents have been telling them for two years, and it's just ignoring them. And then this mentor says the same thing, and it's like a light bulb goes off. And it's like, but I've been telling you the same thing for two years. Um, 
And so I think that is healthy for them to have a group of friends outside of school and outside of um, their normal circle, not feeling pressured, but they're having this positive peer pressure, if that makes sense. Um, And the last thing is just kind of be patient. You know, you didn't bloom overnight. She won't bloom overnight. Um, Find ways to cultivate your relationship. I, with my son, we journal together at night. I will write something in my feelings about what I've struggled with, and he picks it up, and he's able to write and articulate a little bit better versus us kind of fighting with each other with words. Um, So find ways to kind of connect with her that's outside of just, getting frustrated with each other because y'all are in the house all day, 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, Build a special bond. Um, So I think those are just a few things you can do. It's always the simple things, isn't it? It it, is. It's just, and and what we're learning in this time with people being forced to deal with each other, we've seen this uptick in (laughs) domestic violence. We've seen this uptick in in child abuse, which is just Mm -hmm. unfortunate. And an uptick in um, the um, opioid abuse. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't want to get too deep in the woods on my my, my faith, but I, I know those of us who believe in what we believe in and trust in what we trust in know that there is a better way to handle these you spoke on a little bit and and kg and i people have said you guys are blessed with the patience of job and if you haven't read that story you you really need to get into it to to find out what that's all about my point uh michelle is that we can you speak on uh, your faith and and the continuity of of staying calm in a very different and difficult situation? Um, So usually every morning I kind of have a daily devotional that I do. I keep myself on track. Um, I think that's very beneficial because you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, And I've learned that I need to acknowledge my feelings, um, not just to a therapist, but to God, and give him those feelings. and and understand what's underlying this anxiety that I have. Is it a fear that God's going to leave me? Or is it a fear that something's going to happen to us? Or what is that fear? And just really give it to him. Um, And I think once I do that, I can have calmness and I can display assurance in the midst of this crisis. And our kids will feel more calm. My kids typically react better um, when I'm calmer, you know. And so that really helps me. Mm Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, with the kids possibly acting up mm-hmm. more than usual um, during this time, um, what can we do about that? Because I've talked to my brothers and, you know, they, they are ready to knock my nieces and nephews out the window. I'm going to tell you what it sounded like in my era. Go outside and get me a switch. <laughs> okay. Go get my belt. <laughs> right. That's that's, you know, what, that's how we fix say, it. My mom used to always say, you got to go left every now and then for two seconds just to let them know who the boss. And then when you come back, they understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the worst, um, though, picking your own switch. Ooh, yeah, I know, right? That's oh, that, the worst. That belt. <laughs> it took you a long time to figure out the little one is the one that hurts the most. Stung. Uh, <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah. So what? So what can we do um, if the if the kids are acting up more than usual during this Man, time? Man, I think, like I 
said, you know, just I would plug into some extra resources. And sometimes that means reaching out to other people to kind of help you deal. I always do a countdown. You know, when my boys are cutting up, sometimes I just go in a room, I close the door, give me a minute, I count to 10, I do something that I want to do for the next five minutes, or I'll have them do it. I'll tell them to step out, go to the room, calm themselves down, because I think nothing good is going to come from you both being angry at the same time. You're right. basically going to provoke that child, and there's just going to be a lot of hurt emotions flying around. Um, I also, you know, I've implemented a behavior chart system. You know, when they do these positive things, I reinforce them positively. So if they, you know, don't fight each other or don't hit each other, they don't, they're honest, I'll give them a certain amount of points, and then eventually they can buy whatever they want with those points. But I can give them some positive reinforcement, something to work for. They get it at school, but they're not getting anything at home. And so I think giving them something to look forward to really helps. Indeed. So um, going forward with uh, beauty mentoring, mm-hmm. um, how are you all um, going about with the program for the girls? Oh, oh my goodness. Um, so once a month, the girls, now they've been having these virtual kind of parties, but once a month they meet and do some type of empowering session together. Um, last year they did, or this year we've done self-esteem and confidence parties um, and then outside of that, they meet once a week with their mentor. Um, right now during COVID, they're doing kind of virtual meetings, mm-hmm. but it used to be one-on-one. Um, we had a mother-daughter empowerment conference, and we have our big tea um, in October. And so they just have lots of fun stuff to where they can learn. And they also get monthly, like, empowerment articles on how to cope for mothers and daughters during these times. Nice. Um, and different tips. And so we're all about inspiring and empowering moms and daughters to build the relationships together and strengthen girls. Wow. I think you just <laughs> answered my next question. I was about to ask, and you know, how can you know, we be proactive in helping um, the teen at home if they are, if they are going through? Um, yes. Uh, yes. I, I totally think, you know, just kind of addressing those behaviors and um, really giving them the resources that they need or the mentors that they need to kind of help them get through this tough and difficult time that we're all going through. Um, and just being there for them emotionally and physically. I think sometimes as, as parents and caregivers, we can just check out. And sometimes you do need to check out, but not for every day, all day. <laughs> um, don't allow video games and cell phones to be babysitters. Um, limit exposure to negative technology things or, you know, they could be getting just as much pressure on social media 24 hours a day yeah. as they can't physically be in the school. So build and cultivate the relationships with them. Do things together. Get the house. Walk. Do something, you know? Do something together. I've always found, at least through my personal experience, um, when dealing with a teen, not necessarily girls, but um, but boys, I mean, not unless they're into video games, but I've always gotten the most out of a teenager while playing a video game. Hmm. So we'll be sitting there, you know, playing 2K or playing Madden or playing Mortal Kombat and then just having that conversation and they open up like like a flower. Well, you, you're relating. 
You you mm. you're on their level. You're not you're not this older guy. You're not you you're you're that's you're, talking down or wanging a finger like I'm just Yeah, uh, you you're just now a friend that we share mm-hmm. this game in common, which it could be for different people. It could be coloring, it could be painting, it could be uh listening to certain music or mm-hmm. but you're sharing a common thing. And earlier, uh, when Ms. Ogletree was speaking about the older person saying the same thing, but yet a younger person or someone else saying it, I got that was my world. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad would preach to me till they were blue in the face, and then a couple of my partners down the street would say the same thing a different kind of way. And it clicked. I heard it. Mm -hmm. So it's that ability for you, KG, to relate to that person on a level by which he or she feels comfortable to share some very intimate things. And that's the role that I, I believe as communicators, we, we we were able to tap in on different levels to to get the best out of that person or just get some, some deep information that maybe they wouldn't share with anyone else. So kudos to you, sir. Yeah. Oh, yes. thank you. I mean. And for girls, that's TikTok. I know boys might be video game, but. The girls, girls that's TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, they on TikTok, TikTok making up them dances. Together. No, don't get me. Listen here. Yeah. The boys are on TikTok, too. I try okay. to tell you. That, no, they on there. They all on there. It's amazing how we have okay. flooded that application. But, uh, Mr. Ogletree, um, could you please give out all your information, your, your Instagram, the website, um, how Absolutely. girls can uh, sign up for the program, all of that. Absolutely. So our summer enrollment is coming up. We enroll one time that's during the summer, and the girls kind of carry through the program the entire year. Um, they can log on to beautymentoring.org to get more information, or they can follow us at beauty underscore mentors on Instagram um, or beauty mentoring on Facebook. Um, and once again, it's beautymentoring.org. Well, thank you, ma'am. We appreciate your effort. We love the giving back that you do. We, we, we applaud your faith in everything that you believe in, we believe in. If KG and I can ever be of assistance to you from this day forth, please don't hesitate to call. Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys for so much that you guys do in the community, and we appreciate you and what you do. All right. That wraps up this segment of the Public Affairs Podcast. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Swoog. Along with Uncle Funky Larry Jones. And we have a very vivacious gentleman on the phone line here. Uh, He is the vice president of The Great Game of Business Incorporated and the co-author of Get in the Game, How to Create Rapid Financial Results and lasting cultural change. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Steve Baker is on the Public Affairs Podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you, KG Smooth and Uncle Funky. What can I say? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for your time this uh, this day on this podcast. How are you sure. holding up during all things COVID? Well, very well, actually. Um, it's kind of surprising how much work the entire team has been doing uh, sheltering in place. I'm coming to you live from under the stairs at my house. <laughs> I built a little studio. But nice. uh, I, you probably didn't know this about us, but we, um, uh, we're we actually part of a, a company called SRC Holdings. We actually are engine remanufacturers. So our 10 factories are still open and running because they're considered essential. Mm-hmm. But everyone has had to adjust to this new 
uh, you know, the procedures and policies so everyone's safe. And luckily, uh, out of all 2,000, we have no uh, infections yet. So we're very lucky. Well, I'm sure that um, your staff is very happy with how you're handling things because, I mean, you have <laughs> you have a whole thing on how can transparency keep your company healthy through this crisis. So uh, we're glad to have you on because I'm sure that the information that you have can help a lot of businesses, small businesses, entrepreneurs um, stay afloat. And yeah, I believe absolutely. that transparency during a global epidemic is paramount because, you know, we haven't been getting that so much. <laughs> so, no, <you're> right. <laughs> so um, tell us, how can transparency keep your company healthy through this crisis? Well, we think that it comes down to the, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, the idea of the, the quality of the transparency, mm -hmm. right? So we could be open and lots of information can flow. We have the internet just blasting us. There's a 24 hour news cycle. The thing is, what are we listening to? And I believe that for our entrepreneurs and small business owners out there, uh, we need to find our credible sources, right? So I, I kind of break it down into kind of people and cash and operations, stuff like that. So for our people and our safety, health, you know, are we listening to, I'd probably listen to, the, you know, the CDC, to Anthony Fauci, yeah. you know, the people who really have the information, and also look at other data, you know, what's happening to countries that have been ahead of us. Look at what's happening in, in China, in Taiwan, even Italy, you know, what's happening right now, because these folks have seen it. What, when is the curve going to peak? Uh, let's pay attention to the right forces because I'm telling you, there's so much misinformation. Our poor employees are starving for good information. So at our company, Jack Stack, our founder, has a nine o'clock call every morning where all of the key executives have brought this data in, they crunch it, and they say, here's the report based on, as I said, safety first. How are people doing? What's the health situation? Um, do we have any infections yet? Does everyone have personal pr protective gear? Then we go into how's our cash situation? Because everybody listening is going, do I have enough runway? You know, do, will I run out of cash before this thing is over? And uh, it's very important when you talk about transparency, it takes a ton of courage to talk about your cash flow situation, but it's really important because you need your people. If you're still open, if you're still operating, make sure and, and talk to people about what the realities of the business are, and they will help you come up with solutions. And then finally, you know, really what we look at in transparency is um, if, if it's going to be clear to people how the business is operating, we got to make sure we're educating as well, not just throwing the books on the table and say, well, we're out of money. Instead, let's look forward and say, look, we got a little bit of assistance from uh, maybe PPP funds or maybe we got a, uh, a disaster relief. I don't know. People are in different situations, but this is how much runway it gives us. How can we either cut expenses or find new revenues? And people will amaze you. The more you teach them, the more you will learn. Steve, this is Larry. And I, I, listening to your conversation right now on the podcast, I'm willing to bet every dime I have in my pocket that your company or companies have always operated this way before the pandemic hit. It sounds to me like this is the kind of leadership that wants its employees and supervisors to be informed no matter what. And I, I, I say that because I'm seeing, th as this 
Rubik's Cube is twisting. There are a lot of companies who are faltering and falling out of line because, as you said earlier, there's a bunch of misinformation and the leadership doesn't quite know how to truthfully tell the story. Yeah, or what people believe you in leadership. You know, what's the history been? Yes. So, Larry, you brought up a good point. We are known as the open book management people. I shared with you that our factories make engines, but nobody knows that. They know us because of our leadership style that mm. we call the great game of business. The thing is, is Jack Stack, our founder, learned 40 years ago that if he didn't teach everyone in the business, he was going to fail. He'd go bankrupt because he was buying a dying division of International Harvester way back in 83. So he taught machinists, mechanics, wrench turners, engineers, everybody in that plant, here's how we make money and generate cash because what he discovered was it's the one thing that crosses all boundaries. I don't care if they're cultural, geographic, political, everyone uses the same system. And Larry, would you believe that the financial statements that we teach our people in our factories every day, they've been around since 1494 and they haven't changed at all. I believe you. I'm, you sound you sound like some people I've had the pleasure to sit next to at certain restaurants, and I've I've been around some millionaires and multimillionaires, and my question was always not so much how you got to where you are with your money, but how do you keep your money, or what's the most important thing to you and to a person? They always said they're people. We educate and we retrain and we 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 invest in our people. To, to, to have the Michael Jordan mindset of we're going for excellence, no matter what I my position it. is, uh, if, I, if, I'm, if, 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 if I am in charge of cleaning the, the restrooms, we're going to have the cleanest, spotless restrooms in the building or on my floor. And, and Steve, yeah. they took pride in that. It is. It's something to be proud of, that we're actually developing people. Wow. <laughs> That's heresy right. in a lot of businesses, you know. You got to say, my people are worth it because they are truly what make the business. And we believe that right down to, I'm glad you brought that up. Every practitioner of any sort of, I would say, open book or transparent style of leadership has gotten over one big hurdle, and that's themselves. <laughs> you know, if you have a big ego, you're not going to be great with people. It's just true. Can you, you say know? that? Can you say that again, Steve, please? <laughs> please. People, you've got to get over the biggest hurdle, and that is yourself. You've got to have the courage to say, I can't do it alone. And the minute you do, people will rise up, and they will, they will come to the occasion with all of their ideas. I'm not saying every idea is going to be great. That's why you got to teach them business. But I learned something a long time ago from a guy named Dave Ramsey. Do you know mm, him, the uh, yes, we do. personal yes, financial we do. guru? Yes, sir. This is an awesome phrase. Money flows from people who do not understand it to people who do. Hmm. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's a bar. <laughs> yes, and, sir. man, I want to be one who does. Yes, sir. That is a bar. What's cool about this whole idea of, of teaching people business, and we talk about it in the new book, Get in the Game, and I'm, I'm going to give you a – a website to give to all the listeners because um, I hope everyone will be able to take advantage of the free resources that we've got to get through this crisis. But when you teach people about business, you know, the first thing that we deal with in a crisis like this, and we've been through a lot of them, right? You've got way back in the eighties, the recession, you've got the dot-com bubble, mm-hmm. you've got the nine uh, uh, 11 and the housing crisis. Now this, we knew there was going to be something else. We thought it was going to be a recession. We've been saving for 10 years mm-hmm. For just such an occasion. We just didn't know it was going to be a pandemic. Mm-hmm. 
So we have a war chest built in order to not only help the company survive, but also to thrive. Because I don't know if you guys know a lot about the economy in Houston uh, lately. I don't. I don't know what unemployment was before the pandemic, but I bet it was pretty low, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. And with us it's, being oil and gas, uh, I think yes. the, 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 the average oil barrel of oil was somewhere around uh, 50, 45 to fifty dollars a barrel. And then after this, it was like oh, negative a dollar thirty seven or something. Yeah. Like the yeah. barrel cost more than the oil. Right, exactly. So yeah, so we, it's it's a unique time. It Definitely. is. Well, here's the deal. So look at oil and gas as one example. I mean, that's a huge part of our economy. We've mm-hmm. got to have energy. The thing is that before the uh, price of oil dropped, mm-hmm. it was hard to get people really hard to get good people and we were looking for them and we we're paying a premium for them and everything. all of a sudden you have the price of oil drop you have a pandemic people aren't necessarily thinking about their people they're like how do i cut costs and they immediately do layoffs right yep well here's an interesting story from houston hillcorp energy jeff hildebrand out of houston is the largest independent oil and gas company in america he runs his company open book and he treats his people really, really well because he knows. Do you think the price of oil will go up again? Hmm. Yeah. No. I, I, I think I, I saw last week that a lot of the oil and gas companies are beginning to shift to solar and wind after they've, mm-hmm. you know, after they've tried to, you know, deny it or not use it after all these years. But now they see what's happening, and I, I, I saw on the news that. They're shifting to- towards solar and wind. Yep. I, and I don't doubt it. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I don't doubt it at all. I do think that what you know, working with Hillcorp for a number of years, I do know one thing. We don't just burn it all up. We make tons of other things out of oil, right? So yeah, right. eventually the price will come back up. There will be some demand, perhaps not the same. But what Jeff sees is he goes, uh, you know, I've prepared the company for this. I've trained my people for this, and we're going to find the best way to make this business go forward. So instead of dumping everybody, he's hanging on to the good people. And guess who, you know, companies like ours that that keep their people during a crisis, that's when you pick up great talent because people are calling you. They're saying, hey, I heard you guys are still going. Uh, you got a spot for me. And some of the you can almost pick from the talent because six months ago we couldn't find people. Right. Now opposite what's going to happen when things do come back so it's just something to think about i'm I'm not suggesting that it's just oil and gas i'm not suggesting it's just an engine company companies from every industry that you can imagine practice open book management and you can tell them when you almost walk in the door yeah and this oh go ahead i'm sorry steve can you speak to us about the enormous mismanagement from what i understand at these meat manufacturing plants throughout the country that did not prepare their uh, workers for the pandemic, did not give them the equipment, didn't give them the face mask. I read an article from the BBC where one gentleman said the face mask they were given were like fishnet stockings to put over their wow. face to protect them. How, how, what, what is the word I want to say? Um, not illegitimate. Um, what were they thinking of? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I just, you know, it, how irresponsible. Yeah. How irresponsible yeah. Yeah. for a company. Egregiously irresponsible. Thank you, sir. That that you know this is going to be your, you, you, you're talking about disrupting the American food chain or the world food chain. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're so 
hell-bent on profit mm-hmm. that you put these sick workers in your plants and you do nothing about it. And you do nothing about it. And then the trickle-down yeah. effect yeah. of them yeah. getting and, and sick then, and then they try to back out of it with this, oh, now we're going to be transparent. Well, well during Easter, <laughs> we're going to shut down and clean our plant. And one of the reporters said they didn't do anything. You know, and, wow. and, and you know, it was, it was a pig slaughtering facility in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So the, 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 the spokesperson and CEO, whomever, and I don't want to misquote, but, you know, we, we, we run a, a, meat plaque, a meat company, so we have to clean anyway. But that's not like that's spraying not, disinfectant yeah, for COVID-19 virus. Right. That's <clears throat> killing half. I just find those kinds of operators, Steve, the, the worst in the world. And and, yeah. and it's so unfortunate. They don't have the compassion that you and, and, and Jack have in your business and your leadership team. And that's my word, compassionate. I, I know we're well, in tough times, but I, I, I appreciate a compassionate leader who looks out for his the people. Thank you. Yes, yes. I do have an opinion. I, If you don't mind, I'll share it. Um, I think that first we should recognize there are a lot of good operators. In, in the meat industry and others. And there's a lot of bad operators in every industry. And in the cases that you've seen, I'm not saying that these particular folks, because I don't know uh, the operation myself intimately to be able to state, you know, this is what I found. What I will say is that is pretty obviously where they were going after the profit. They weren't really planning for an eventuality, right? It could have been anything. It could have been uh, swine flu, or it could have been avian flu. It happens to be COVID. Well, what do we have in place, right? Contingency thinking. What if plan B needs to be activated? So you'll find that the best companies, and this goes for all the listeners, if you own a business, I hope you uh, treat your people really well. I, I imagine if you're listening to KG Smooth and Uncle Funky Larry Jones, you probably are good people. Thank you, sir. And I'm saying keep treating them well. People first, right? Because they are the business. Uh, secondly, get a contingency plan going. What if? Um, you guys know HEB too, right? Yes. Um, so I just got off the phone with them this morning. I love hearing how they're oh, – they, they told me, you know, we're ready for hurricanes. We're ready for floods. We're ready for disaster relief. You know, COVID, boy, it's a good thing we had a plan in place, right? Mm. So they're taking care of their people so that they can ter- take care of the customer and the community. And it's awesome to have another – open book, transparent organization like that, taking care of their folks because they know their folks are the community. And that's where the whole business comes to life. I, I, you know, the meat producers and, and anyone else that isn't thinking that way, if they're just like, give me the money, I don't care about you, you know, I'd say, why do business with them? Why support them? Uh, why work for them? Mm-hmm. Go find a company that, you know, is, and, and I'm telling you, people will be in great demand as this begins to cool off, you know what I mean? When the right. heat starts to drop on the uh, the virus and people are going back to work, there's going to be a whole lot of people who laid folks off. Right. And what I'm suggesting is good companies will be looking for new people. HEB hired 6,000 temporary people. Yes. And yeah. just took them on full time. Oh, awesome, wow. Right. Yeah. And they upped people's pay during the crisis as a, a yeah. special pay, you know, because of the extra uh, difficulty that the tasks at hand would take. I'm sorry, am I getting too excited because I could get a tissue here? Well, well no, 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 and, I, and no, we love th- it. This is great, Steve, because what you're providing for us now is is a piece of your amazing vision, 
And I, I, I thank God for men and women like you who think like this. In this situation, there are probably some, some businesses, business owners, who don't have a backup plan and are hearing yep. this podcast for the first time and saying, oh, my God, you know what? We really need to stop, sit down, and think for a minute, mm-hmm. get a couple mm-hmm. of bottles of wine, bring in everybody yeah, in, right. and, and, and get a one, two, three, four, five backup, and then a six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Because mm-hmm. your your visionary talking today on this podcast is going to mean the world to someone who is doing good business but never thought about it. Right. Yeah. Or or didn't really want to face the idea that something might happen. And wow. I'm telling you, I'm that guy. I am telling everyone listening, if I can learn this stuff, you can learn it, you can do it. Just do it earlier than I did it. <laughs> gotcha. I, gotcha. Here's what I got to tell you guys. Is, you know, I go around the world teaching business. I write business books. I get to coach great companies. It's an amazing life. I'm telling you, I am blessed. But I have an art degree. <laughs> I went to okay. school. Okay. And I got a degree in art because I was defiant. My dad was a business guy. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be an artist. And I still am an artist. But guess what? You can do both. And business is the universal language mm-hmm. money if you don't understand it somebody's going to take it away from you don't do that anymore learn about money get a backup plan build a business of people who think like business people do right. and that's all on you it's all on on us as entrepreneurs now totally unrelated i am very interested to know what your art collection is like <laughs> My well, my collection or my portfolio. <laughs> oh, 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 well, 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 well. Wait a minute. All right, Steve. <laughs> Ta-da. No, I like. Here, I'll give you another piece of advice too. I, I forbade my three children to study art. Two already work in the arts. <laughs> nice, cool. All right. So nice. They're amazing artists. So uh, Colin, my oldest, is uh, he works for an ad agency that does work with Starbucks and Nestle and these big companies. Um, my daughter is an illustrator in Chicago. Uh, my youngest Sweet. now, he's probably going to be the wildly successful entrepreneur. Um, but right now he's 19 year old with a hair on fire. You know what I'm saying? He's going 90 miles an hour, bulletproof. We got to let him age a little bit. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Before we uh, get out of here, um, last word from you. What What is the silver lining that you see for businesses um, and their retained employees during the during the shutdown people that retain their employees will have better trust better retention better communication there is a bond and i would not lose that silver lining because when people realize whoa all half my friends and neighbors got laid off furloughed whatever people who got to continue to work i think will be much more grateful and it's an opportunity to say hey guys i'd like to build a stronger business because that's our ultimate goal is to build something where we can save jobs, create jobs, create wealth, and share the wealth with those who created it. There's your silver lining. Steve, we need your book and your website, your IG information before you leave us, please. Absolutely. Um, Everybody that's listening, we created a special page to help during this particular time. And it's not just because of COVID. It's anytime there's a a challenge in business and you will have them. Greatgame.com slash crisis. On there, you'll find uh, about six different uh, modules of information. Maybe it's taking fear out of the workplace. Maybe it's getting through a crisis. 
all the way to a sample of the book, which, by the way, guys, Chapter 10 talks about contingency planning. Mm-hmm. All that can be found at greatgame.com slash crisis. You, my friend, are a blessing. I thank you. Um, you've been you've been an ec- excellent antidote to the show today, and, yes. and, and we, we so appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks Steve. a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Indeed. Take care of yourselves. You too. And thank you for listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We'll see you next time.